I remember one day I'm just driving in the car. Joy might've been 11 or 12 and just out of nowhere, she goes, I hear about commercials for plan B. What's plan A? Episode 149 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft-brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly Reverend Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and a special guest address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. Today, we welcome back to the show Rabbi Eli Freeman. Yay! Hey! It's been so long since you've been here. Well... <laughs> Actually, I, w- I was here two weeks ago. You just weren't here. I know. You <laughs> came in for me, and I appreciate that. <laughs> um, Eli's major area of work at Rodef Shalom includes social justice initiatives, adult education, and working with young adults and young families. He and his wife, Laurel, and their daughters, Josephine, who you may hear on the show today, <laughs> and Nora live in the wonderful Kensington neighborhood of Philadelphia. They enjoy dining out, live music, and home brewing. And you can show your love for Bub Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Order up at the shot glass level, just $2 a month to start. There's some higher levels from there. And you get access to things like special extended interviews with guests, like one of our regulars, Leighton Williams. Uh, we interview the author of Mary Magdalene, uh, Megan Watterson. There's some other great interviews on there. And you also have access to the videos of our pre-show and post-show discussions. Like, for example, today, if you hit up the pre-show for today, you will see Eli's daughter and you will see him being <laughs> parent of the year as, as well. So, so, so hit Just that Just doing up. my part. Just doing my part. There you go. Visit <laughs> patreon.com slash btlive to get started. Big thank you to our current patrons. Oh, yes, we did miss last week because because um, for a number of reasons, but mainly because Shannon was ridiculously ill, and we do talk about that in the pre-show as as well. Um, and so, yeah, we, we kind of do more, I think a little more. You'll get to know us stuff. a little better, I think, you know. Yeah, there you go. So, so um, do that at your own risk. <laughs> <laughs> follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, yada, yada, yada. Use the hashtag PTLive. Today we are discussing Kobe Bryant, the March for Life, and crying babies in church. And that deserves a drink for sure. Yes. <laughs> that list of topics. So Eli, as our guest, what are you drinking today? Um, I'm actually drinking a, a homebrew brewed by uh, my good friend, Rabbi Josh Franklin, who's, uh, he has the best gig of any rabbi I know. He's the rabbi of the Hamptons, which is, uh, he's just living what? the dream. I know, right? You're like, how do I get that gig? Yeah. Um, and this is actually, it's an interesting one. It's a, um, it's a fig and barley brew based on a recipe found in the Talmud, which Ooh, is sort of, uh, you know, our, our Jewish um, writings that occurred after the, after the Bible. And so uh, kind of a fun one. So I'm excited to try it. I'm, and this I'm time, jealous that you get to drink at work. Like, I know, right? <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> I, um, I have no idea what this is going to taste like. I have no idea what the carbonation or anything is like. So um, we'll see what happens. All right. 
Hogan, what are you having? Mr. Uh, I'm on island time. I'm on island time. Vacation in vacation in eleven days. I actually got like a countdown on my watch. Eleven mm -hmm. days and I will be uh I will I will be back home in warmth and nice humid air. You mentioned in the pre show mm -hmm. when you're in Puerto Rico the whole like the ocean air kinda like cleansing. So cleansing. Like the thing I look forward to most in Barbados more than anything else is when they open those airplane doors mm -hmm. and it's you know, you're climbing out onto the tarmac to walk into the airport and the airport is right there on the coast and that salt air just hits you in your face mm -hmm. and it's like I can breathe fully, deeply and wholly for the first time all year and it is like the most glorious moment. Anyways, I am drinking a Goose Island Bourbon County Stout. Nice. Aged in so bourbon delicious. Apparently, this was a limited edition um, run in 2018, and it better be good because I paid more for this <laughs> than I've paid for beer in a long time. <laughs> I paid like 12 bucks for this. Well, you are notoriously cheap, too. So I am. That. <laughs> I am. So this is me catching up. <laughs> But it felt, it was, I think it's just a pint, but it felt like a lot to pay for a pint. Mm. No, it's only, yeah, yeah a pint. Pint nine That's ounces. not too, like, I mean, wait, it, no. it better be good though. I hear you. It, it better, better be, be good, good for 12 And I'll tell you actually, the, the Goose Islands recently have been amazing. You know, a lot of people were hating on them when they got bought out by, you know, the big uh, AB, InBev, whatever. Yeah. Um, but actually it, it's, it's really helped them to make what happens now is all their like, you know, the 312 and all their regular beers mm -hmm. are now being made in a huge facility. And so actually the brewers don't have to worry about the mass production and they can really focus on the specialty bottles. And yeah. so I found, I've been really excited about Goose Island recently. Past you know, years, that's, a, so. that's a real good positive way to approach this whole big breweries, brain out all the craft breweries. Cause yep. like when that was happening and still happening, I'm like, you know, like damn these corporations who, you know, yeah, doing it yep. for everybody. But and, I, and I actually competition and competitiveness and all that. And but Eli's point is well taken. Like yeah. it, I mean, and a lot of smaller breweries have said that. Like running a business is hard, and we want to focus on this. You yeah, know, it's tasty. All right, it was worth the twelve. It was worth the twelve bucks. Oh, nice. All right. So I am drinking a Flying Dog local brew, a Canine Winter Warmer, because I haven't since getting back from Puerto Rico. I haven't been warm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have to say the last time I had this beer I got really drunk because it was during football and you should not drink this high level of alcohol during football season um, so it's it's, the, it's a delicious winter warmer it's brewed with cardamom, vanilla bean and cocoa so try it out sometime that sounds delish so there's no real throwaway question we're jumping right in today right into it, man. um yesterday the news came across that kobe bryant and his daughter along with seven others um they were killed in a helicopter crash how did you respond to hearing this and the question is why are some celebrity deaths why do they feel so personal um for for me the last time i responded to a death like this was when michael jackson died Mm. And I think part of it, one, was just the sheer random unexpectedness of it. Yeah. I was I was at a late lunch with a friend of mine. We were at a Thai restaurant. My phone buzzes with a news alert. And I just yell out in the restaurant, holy shit, Kobe Bryant's dead. Like, people looked at me like I'd lost my mind. Right. You know, yeah. but but there was that, like, <laughs> like, like, what? 
I couldn't, yeah, it was, it was pure shock. It was pure disbelief. And then as more and the more of the details rolled out, um, it was, it was, you know, the, the sadness rolled in. Um, yeah. I, the, the, the full sadness did not hit me till this morning. I'm at the gym working out and I'm just weeping. But last night I'm like, especially after I heard that his 13 year old was on the plane to his daughter, like I had to track down my daughter who, who was at an airport, not to give me more reasons to worry, but <laughs> she was about to get on a plane. So I'm calling her. I'm like, did you hear about Kobe? Cause, cause she's a big basketball fan. Like I am too. She's like, yeah. yes. Oh my God. And, and I was like, and his daughter too. And I'm just calling and tell you, I love you. She's like, what? <laughs> you just randomly calling me. It's like the man died with his daughter. Forgive right. me. Like, if I'm, I'm having the yeah. feels. If I'm having some feels <laughs> about you being my only daughter, I want to make sure you're okay right now in this moment. And, it was just like, you know, it was crazy. Now, here's the fun part. Not fun. That's the wrong way to go with this. <laughs> but but when, so when it happened and we're at lunch and my friend says to me, now, mind you, we're a couple of mimosas in, so that might have something to do with it. But, but my friend turns and say, says to me, like, if you knew you're going to die, like, tomorrow mm. or next week, you know, what is it? What is it that you're going to do differently? What regrets might you have? And yeah, and I said, well, honestly... I love my life right now. I don't, I'm not going to have any regrets. I'm not going to like, I love my job. I, uh, you know, I said, if there's anything still on my list to do that I don't do a lot of is travel. And she goes, where would you want to go next? I said, well, I got some friends who recently moved to like Australia and that's mm -hmm. like on my bucket list to go next. She's like, I want to go to Australia too. So apparently thanks to Kobe, you're going we're, to Australia. We're going to Australia <laughs> this summer. Like we sat there and we pulled up wow. dates. We looked at flights. I started reaching out to friends. She's got friends in Australia too. It's like the, the randomness heat. I mean, he was 41. I'm 45. My wife died at 43. Like all of this rushed in into that. Like mm -hmm. life is so both precious and short and random and fleeting. And, and you know, carpe diem, you know, don't, I mean, yeah. don't be reckless and quit your job tomorrow or nothing. But I mean, if you want to do that, do that. That's on you. But I'm just saying it really drove home the, the, the idea of stop putting things off, stop yeah. putting things off, do what you can to fully engage life as it is. And also like just the, the loss of the basketball world. Like there are two sports I ever show any interest in is basketball and tennis and, you know, after Michael, Kobe was like the second coming mm -hmm. and, and he was absolutely amazing. And just, we're all in shock. We're all in shock. He, you know, retired, what, two years ago? Was it two years now yep. that he's, he's retired? And we were all like, okay, we're looking for how, you know, he's going to do the next phase. And he was getting into parenting. His daughter was getting into, you know, already showing signs of, of, of that basketball talent that he had. And it it's just tragic and it is and unbelievable now eli how's yes. the response in philly been i mean that's yeah so you know he he obviously played high school ball here at lower marion which is you know the suburb right right next door to us and um so there were a lot of lot of people you know uh, a good pastor friend of mine uh reverend kevin johnson as soon as he heard the news, he just had to, he drove over there. He said, I just had to be over at the high school. The gymnasium is named after him. He donated a lot of money there. And um, the number of people that just showed up over there that were just hanging out there, um, being there was, you know, people just wanted to, wanted to be there. Um, you, 
you know, Ogan, something you said really resonated with me as well, though. The, um, there's a, a saying in the Talmud, which is, um, you should always repent on the day before you die. Mm. And the rabbis, of course, ask, you know, how do we know which day we're going to die? And it sort of just is that constant reminder of how fleeting life is. Yeah. 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 I think, I, I mean, it, and oftentimes around this, like, sometimes, you know, we get um, the, these kind of tragedies get reduced down to platitudes. And yet there's such a realness to like live every day like it's your last, right? There's, and, yeah. And I, and I, I mean, I'm having, um, so basketball isn't my main sport, right? I love football, but, but it's Kobe Bryant, man. Like it's Kobe Bryant. There's, and that, there and are. that goes to the, why do some deaths feel so much personal? He transcended the sport. He was a, he was a it, global icon. Right. And, and whether, you know, like it or not, he's a face we all know. Right. And um, when he retired, his you know that poem the dear basketball poem um you know that read and it and it got made into a short animation video that won, was won, just won an oscar won an oscar right it was beautiful or academy or whatever you know won a won an award and um and i just i mean he gave uh, he gave a bunch of money to to help the african-american museum be built like he was right he was just starting mm -hmm. to get into his philanthropy and and putting you know and and then there's other you know one of the things that i did appreciate was like there are there are ways to understand that a human being has complexity right he was accused of sexual assault and yep. you know all of that and one of the things i actually very much appreciate about kobe bryant is the way that he went through that process with actually a lot of you know he was like i she and i have very different experiences of that moment but he, from from his reflection on it didn't demean her experience in the process right, right? um now i can't say he was perfect 100 percent of the time like none of that matter i mean it does matter but you you understand what i'm trying to say like yeah well he definitely wasn't perfect on the court hashtag ball hog you don't you, <laughs> don't, you don't score 81 points in the game if you're not hogging the ball a little bit say 50 points here at lower marion <laughs> right but i think what you're getting at shannon he was in some ways he was a stand-up guy and actually um I'm thinking of maybe preaching on this this uh, this Shabbat this Friday night. His his last tweet that he yes. said uh, this continuing to move the game forward uh, mm -hmm. and then tagged you know King James LeBron. Much mm -hmm. respect, my brother. After after you know the night before LeBron passed him, you know it was the third time leading uh, point Score. scorer, and um, just some uh, to me that's amazing. Right. First of all, that he had the 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 way he was able to to lift up about continuing to move the game forward and how can we all do that right you know i right. think about my my tradition is the reformed jewish tradition we're we're always thinking about moving the game forward and in, in the religious world how do we do this work and and how do we make it not about ourselves but but the next generations well I'm and in, having I'm in the unity we've moved christianity so far forward that the rest of the christian world don't want to call us christian <laughs> you're like a cult but there is, I mean, genuinely, and, and I, I think we saw this in Michael Jordan too, right? The, the ability to, to foster in that next generation, right? To, to say, yeah. you know, come on, you know, go ahead, like do your thing. You, and, and to appreciate the game and continue to love this game. But I, 
you know, and as we're, one of the things, you know, we, we sometimes joke about on the show is like, what do all these three topics have in common? You know, but like one of the things that has gotten me, so, you know, again, I, where I was starting to go, like I'm basketball wasn't my sport, but it's Kobe, Kobe Bryant. But he, um, he is, we, we always find links, right. In these mm-hmm. moments. But what did strike me is, you know, he's a year older than I am and his daughter's a year older than my daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. So that life parallel just hit me very sincerely. Um, yeah. And, and I genuinely had one of those like movie flashes of like, you know, being 27, having a baby and like he had his baby at 27, right? Like that whole thing just kind of flashed in movie form um, before me. And, and the thing that has gotten me, I actually I had to put social media away last night because I couldn't, because people kept dwelling on the moment that I was dwelling on, right? Which is the moment you know this is going down and you can't protect your child, right? Like, yeah. and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop, you know, oh. thinking. Because that's the parent, that's our job. As, that, is our, that is the job, right? Protect your kid. And, and to have that moment of, like, if I die, I die. But, right, I need to save my kid. That's, yeah. that's one of the main things as a parent that you want to know that you oh. can do. And to have this larger than life figure, you know, be as, be as mortal, be as human, you know, Ogan and I were not joking, but joking, right? Like you kept waiting for like, somehow he survived, right? He literally flew through the air. Like how could he not survive yeah. this or, you know, but nobody could obviously. Um, so, so, uh, a freaky thing I heard right before we started this, I was, and this leads into our next question. Um, I, cause there's just, uh, the quote, I don't, what Kobe said, I don't want to be the next Michael Jordan. I don't mm. want to be Kobe Bryant. And the question is discuss the pressures of expectations and trying to be someone else versus comfortable being yourself. I was watching an interview with, um, um, T-Mac, um, oh my God. Me and name recall, man. I'm getting to, I am just way too young for this. 45, man. This is, you know, <laughs> you get no, old. Should not be happy. Uh, uh, so anyways, uh, T-Mac, you used to play for the Rockets. Anyways, he and Kobe were in, uh, came in, came in around the same time. Tracy McGrady. There you go. Oh my gosh. Not losing it entirely. So Tracy McGrady, he's on a show called The Jump. ESPN does a basketball show in the afternoon. It's called The Jump. And he's in tears because him, he and Kobe had a very close relationship early on in their careers. Um, one of the things he said was because of Kobe's just competitive drive to beat everyone else, they sort of like just you know got a little distant. But then in retirement, in the last few years, you know they're the same age. They've got kids the same age. They're, they're teaching their kids basketball. They reconnected and became really really close friends again in the last few years. So he's on the show and he's crying, and he said, you know, Kobe kind of called this, and and the interviewer was like, what do you mean? He said, years ago, Kobe said, two things I want. I want to be better than Michael Jordan, and I want to die young because, just because. And, and Trace McGrady said, you know, in the moment, he said, dude, you're crazy. He said, no. He's like, you know, basketball is my life. And, you know, this was, this was a few years ago, so I could imagine he was having I was going to say, that's a young man's comment. Yeah, envisioning yeah. What, what, that is a young man's what comment. happens after basketball. And, and he's done so much now in the past couple exactly. of years since, and, and yeah. Clearly he's, he's made peace with that. But it was just eerie 
that that you know for him to to say that out loud and and i'm in no way implying that he brought it into his existence um in any way shape or form but but it's eerie and I, and I feel sometimes you know not to get too crazy off topic i feel sometimes i, I have a weird theory about time and you know, I don't think time is linear. I think time's happening all at once. I think it, in, on some level, we, we all have the sense. We all have the sense of, 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 of the, not necessarily the longevity, but the, but the fullness of what our life is going to be. Um, and I think, I think back to, you know, um, my, my late wife, Jennifer, and, and having discussions with her and talks and random stuff with her and stuff like that. And there was never a lot of discussion around <laughs> us together in our old age. And I don't know if it was maybe because she didn't plan to keep me around. I don't know what was going on there. But I think sometimes we, on some innate level, we have the sense about our fullness of our life. But that was a whole tangent thing. I, you know, this is me pro- still processing the whole thing. But but this idea of pressure of expectations and trying to be someone else, it's a weird thing because for me there's there's a, a, a bit of overlap in terms of looking looking up and admiring and wanting to follow the footsteps of those who go before us. We look at mentors and models and folks that ins- inspire us. Where does that point end? And then the point begin where it's like, no, I'm I'm doing my own thing. And, and, and for me, there's, there's kind of, there's gotta be a little bit of an overlap there. And, um, and yeah, that's, but that's the journey we all walk to become comfortable with ourselves, to find ourselves, to accept ourselves, to love ourselves, to be ourselves. Well, there's that, that phrase. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm full of platitudes today, which is whatever, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that comparison is the death of joy. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, you know, I'm not a sports legend or a, you know, right. So I think it's, I think there's a, there's more natural. Is he going to be the next whatever, right? Are you going to live up to the legends of a sport or a, even a career of some sort or a, a patriarch of a family or a matriarch of a family, you know, um, maybe even a namesake. This is what, you know, we, we literally name children after ourselves kind of thing. Mm. But I think, you know, it's, there's a comparison that are, that are good comparisons, you know, that are looking up to, that are striving to be, you know, um, and then there are, there's the death of joy, right? There's the, the inability to let someone be themselves. Um, And I actually really like this question, which is a lifelong journey. You know, what has helped you learn to be comfortable being you? Um, like age has some to do with it, right? Like, um, I, you know, I, several years ago, I heard a preacher say something, you know, that, that, that there is an essence that we are born with that is individual and unique to us that cannot be changed. Right. And we can layer over it and we can pretend otherwise, but there there is something that is uniquely us and that that is the the footprint of god right that is the yeah. handprint of god on each and every one of us and and that has actually gave me this idea of an essence has given me some language and permission right of you know um on one hand i'm i'm not a precious snowflake like i'm just like everybody else and on the other hand i am 
I have this essence that is uniquely me. And there's something genuine and special in that. The thing that helped me live into that was having someone love me that way. And it did mm, take an outside, it took an outside force, right? Um, and that's why I believe so much in community. Like, I don't think I can just have that on my own. Like, I need others reinforcing the, that. The, the phrase I use is borrow in their belief until I have my own about myself. Uh-huh. Well, and you do. Like, once, you know, somebody that I genuinely love is, is telling me, like, I see that too. Like, I see you. And they're, they do. And they, they can. And I, and I don't love you despite of it. I love it you because of it genuinely helped me to just lean into that essence right and just just lean into this oh it's it's really okay because somehow the world kind of teaches us that that thing that is uniquely us is what makes us like we need to hide that i don't know i think that's Mm. the message at least i got you know you guys are talking i'm like a hundred different things i was thinking about um the first was city slickers you ever see that movie like, sure. It's one of the it's one of Absolutely. the greatest it's one of the greatest lines in any movie when Jack Pounds is with um, Billy Crystal and you know they're riding alone and and you know he kind of they're talking about like the meaning of life right and he holds up that finger and he says you know yeah. one thing and he's you know what is it and he said when you figure it out then you figured it out you know I, I don't remember the line exactly but it's that's what we're trying to do we're all trying to figure out that one thing. Right? What is our what is our God given talent, and how can we use it in this world? Shannon, I was also thinking as you were talking. There's a um, beautiful, famous uh, Jewish uh, Jewish quote that um, says everyone should walk around with two notes in their pockets. One note which says the entire world was created just for me, and the other which says I'm but dust and ashes. Mm-hmm. And at different times and at different points in our lives, we reach into different pockets. Yeah, and that that sometimes we need that we need that message that that we are unique, we are special, we are here, and other times we we need that message that we're just one of many, right? And right, I think I mean one of the things that helped me to be comfortable being me was to understand like I'm I'm comfortable with your uniqueness, right? I'm comfortable with your being and. And I think that's part of it is I can't believe that I am special and worthy without believing that you are special and worthy. Right. Yeah. And seeing and that divine in everybody, right? in everybody. Right. And yeah, in God's image, we're created. And I think, and, and I spent a lot of time studying and, and basing my ministry and theology on there's a reason why Jesus asked us to love our neighbor as ourself. Right. Mm-hmm. That works both ways. If I love my neighbor more than I love myself, that's not doing the work of God either, just as much as if I love myself more than I love my neighbor. And so it's, it's the dualistic work of community and of self. Um, and, and, I, and which is why I think you can both, it's okay to both compare and say, I want to be the next Michael Jordan and I want to be the next Kobe Bryant, right? Like, yeah, you got you to gotta, you gotta have, have a benchmark. And, and it's okay to either strive for that benchmark or strive to surpass it. But, but you, look, you, you, you look to those who've gone before you that have done similarly what you want to achieve. And, and often it's they're the ones who are inspiring you to want to achieve. And I think that's the big thing, right? 
are your are your examples of people that you're lifting up inspiring to you or are they shaming you right like are they making you feel bad about yourself or are they showing you you know are they examples of overcoming adversity or you know striving for i actually preached about this on this past sunday that the biggest lie we tell ourselves one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves is that we can't do what they did. And, you know, I was talking, it was, um, there's a season for nonviolence that, um, that some organizations, churches, whatever, observe. It falls between the um, memorial anniversaries of um, Gandhi and MLK, 64 days. Um, but I was, the, the whole point of my sermon was to say to folks like, you know, they were peacemakers. I showed them some other examples of like contemporary peacemakers and noble peace winners. And I said, the biggest, what, what holds us back from expressing that, that essence, that individualized divine Christ expression is often we look at these folks and we see the accolades and we see the achievements and we see the work that they do. And we believe that what a, we can't do that or the fact that we did, something that affected five people therefore it's not as good that comparison being the thief of joy and 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 we and we keep our light small we keep ourselves small not realizing that that uh, that it's not about quant comparison to quantification you know they may have affected five thousand lives i may have affected five lives the five lives i affected were not in those five thousand so you know it it counts and and it's important and what's more important is it's almost a sin if we don't do it because then we're we're denying our own divinity we're we're right. saying we're saying i don't want to be my god self because i don't feel i can live up to the standard well, of and I'm. understanding that right we're greater together so they affected 5000 you affected 5 together there were 5007 because of the two of you people affected you know uh, right i was about the math there for a minute i was like wait how'd you get i got you i got you i was like wait what because because anytime because anytime i minister to someone else i am also being ministered you gotta count yourself yeah right like i am also changed i learned something today it's interesting because as we're as we're talking about this as we're talking about the unique essence of each person the unique essence of this one person i'm going to jump to a story that was in the news this week um it was it happened in Gallatin, Tennessee. And a preacher in Gallatin, Tennessee, which I grew up near Nashville, so I know where this is. It's actually really close to where I grew up. Stopped a worship service, having to ask a woman and her noisy child to be escorted out of the service so he could continue preaching without interruption. Here's the quote. I'm not going to affect 300 people because of a crying child. That's why we have TVs in the outside. That's why we have a nursery. If you get offended over that, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, but we're not going to do that. I know I sound like a jerk right now, but I'm not going to affect 300 people because of that. Let me try to get back to the mode of where I was. I'm sorry. You know, you know what? I'm going to give him credit for realizing he was a jerk. Like, well, what happened? How, how old was the child? That's what I want to know, because I think that actually makes a difference. But, but here's the thing. Ways. If you watch the video... You really can't hear the child do anything. Like, oh. like, like, the, like I was telling Shannon before we started recording a few weeks ago in my church, in my congregation, 
you know, there's a family and they've got this baby and this, this baby who just has started to learn how to walk somehow has also discovered vocal cords all of a sudden. And he wasn't, he wasn't just like, exp- he was screeching, screeching. He was praying. He was praising the Lord. I was going to say, praise Jesus. It was, <laughs> right there. It was hilarious. And, and of course, I weave it into what I'm doing. And at some point, I want to make reference to it. And his father had taken him out of the sanctuary to, you know, because, you know, he felt the child was being distracted. I'm like, where are you going? Bring him back in. Are you kidding me? Right. Like, like, like weird churches that are dying because we're all aging out and you, yep. and you want to, and you want to not. And we want to hide the noise. want to hide the, no. hide the noisy yeah. kid. Oh my God. So we make, we make an announcement at the start of our service and we've really like crafted it to, to try to express a balance. And I will say, I feel for this preacher a little bit. And I, and I want to, maybe I'm oh, playing good. devil's advocate. Oh, good. The rabbi can feel for the preacher. <laughs> right? Because I an, don't. We, we make an announcement at the start of our service where we say, you know, we welcome all ages here. And for the youngest among you, if you need to use the aisles, feel free to move around, to dance, whatever. And then we say, and we also have the service broadcast across the hall in a room that is specially set up. And if at any time you need a little bit of a break, we encourage you to go across before rejoining us. And we say that because... I, I think in the service and you know we have a for instance we have a mourner's prayer or during the sermon where you know if a kid's being noisy I actually would rather the parent take them out I'm never going to shame a parent I'm never going to stop like that guy's a jerk I'm never going right. to stop the service right. or anything like that that's the point but I actually think there are I love hearing kids especially when we're doing the more musical pieces my daughter's dancing around she's singing my younger one who doesn't really have words yet is is making lots of noise it's wonderful but then I think there's other moments um to be a little more quiet what do you and think I, Josephine and I don't <laughs> I don't I don't disagree with you right of course right. I I think that worship it is can like there are moments of worship that are that are very reverential, right? What so the the larger context of this from the article that I read was that he stopped his the 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 minister stopped his sermon to asked the mother and child to leave and then the congregation kind of they started they there was like an audible gasp. Yeah. And people started mumbling like, so one, what that tells me is this is not a norm in this congregation Mm. that, you know, you asked, uh, you ask a family to excuse themselves. And two, what it also tells me is that he did it in a way that was not nice, right? If there is an audible gasp. So from what, the congregation. So I don't know if you, did you watch the video? Cause I watched the I video. I didn't watch the video. Okay, so I watched a video and you know, he's, he's speaking and we hear, and we hear like, I don't know, a squeal, a gasp, something. It wasn't like there was a baby excessively crying. Mm-hmm. It was like a momentary thing. And what he did ask was um, the ushers. He asked the ushers to es- not, he didn't say go get them. He said, right. Ushers, can you please? I think the phrase he used was was take care of the mom and the kid and and take them to the video room or whatever, whatever right. it was. Um, and he just said that, and then he's like, "Let me get um, not the let me get back in the mall, but then get him back." And when he asked the ushers to take him out in that moment, you that's when you hear some of the folks go like, "Like really?" Because right. I think I think the gasp was not so much in him asking, but 
because he asked given the given what what the given noise a very was. minor amount of noise right, right. if yeah. this was a baby squealing at the at the like you know caterwauling at the top of its lungs for like 10 minutes understandably but i think people are more surprised like wait this is your response to what that yeah. just happened well and in my and in my case in my church when nothing happened i did get a message from a congregant a few days later yeah who said you know that baby was being disruptive you need to speak to the parents what are you gonna do yeah. now a couple of usually, couple of factors usually the parents are so embarrassed by the way i was right? gonna say it's usually there, like, it's right the like, parents they, are usually the one they're like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i'm so and i'm like you're fine like it's fine I, I, exactly i always say like whether it's in church or a crying kid on an airplane or wherever if you think you were suffering the parents are suffering worse right and for no other reason than when the flight's done you get to get in your car and go where you're going they still <laughs> got to take the kid with them right right so <laughs> yes. so there's that Amen. But, but i said to this congregant listen i understand that i understand that you would consider that disruptive and part of the context was the person who sent me the message she was not a parent herself she's never had kids so you always got to consider that, okay? There, those of us who have kids, we have much greater, you know, span of patience and understanding. Yeah, I can tune out. I can when tune out kids, someone else's kid. When other kids are misbehaving, like right? Our sympathy goes straight away to those like, parents because not my kid, not my problem. I'm good. Go right ahead, scream away. You know exactly, exactly, exactly. Bless their hearts. So, so, but, but my response was also listen. We want to be a community that welcomes everyone. We say it. We pride ourselves on it. We tell everyone, no matter who you are, you are welcome here. Mm -hmm. Okay? We, we got to be clear about how we put conditions upon that. And here's the thing. I trust the parent. The parent took the kid out when the talk was happening, when our meditation silent time was happening. This right. baby was squealing when the music was happening and the songs were being sung. And when I was given announcements, okay, like if there's going to be a baby squealing, those are the appropriate times in the service for it to happen. <laughs> like that's when I want to squeal. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> well, and here's, here's ultimately what my problem comes down to, right? If we, if we proclaim whatever religion you are, right? If we are going to proclaim that children are sacred, and that children are the closest to God, right? We, we say that in the church, like Jesus, Jesus brings them in and says, you know, unless you become like this child, then we cannot, we cannot say to the usher, that baby's talking, he needs to go, right? She needs to go. When like, Jesus said, suffer the little children, what he was really saying was, <laughs> they will be little children and you will suffer. <laughs> Because. Is that actually a you quote know from the New Testament? I didn't know that one. Is, well, <laughs> suffers suffers an, a King James version. Suffer the little children. Come <laughs> on, forbid children. them not. But we have, I mean, very similarly, you know, in Judaism, Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy six. That's like one of our central texts, right? Right. And you know, hero Israel, the Lord is our God. And then it goes on to say, um, and you shall teach these words to your children, impress them upon your yeah. children. Right. Um, and it's, I mean, it's so crucial to everything we do. It is our, it's and, our number one mission. And what you're, I mean, and, and, you know, for those of you that, that do pub theologies out there, right. The other questions um, on today's list are about, you know, pro-life rallies and, and, you know, on one hand, if you're going to be like, 
pro-life rallying, which we're not going to get into a whole bunch of that, but like, and then you scream at a child for screaming, like yeah. you can't have it both ways, guys. I mean, you can't not just that, be pro-birth. You have to actually right. be pro-life. You have there to be pro-life, right? Yeah. Not that my being pro-choice means that I don't like children, right? I'm not trying to draw that conclusion. What I'm trying to say is, is that like, there is a way, I mean, I am, I am notorious, especially as my daughter gets older, my daughter's 12 now. And so teaching, teaching moments, like mom, not like you, ugh, ugh, with the teaching moments, right? Cause everything, everything today is a teaching moment. <laughs> like, like right. all of life is teaching yeah. moments, but worship is a teaching moment, right? So I don't want the children to be escorted out for the sermon if they can learn what it is to sit and to pay attention and to, you know, learn about what it, what it looks like to learn about God in this setting and in this way, right? Like all of these things are, um, we have a family worship service on Christmas Eve. And one of the things that I love is the parents are so used to my pro kid talking and stuff, you know? So we have this little boy, Luke, he's maybe three and, and you know, it's the children's Christmas Eve worship service. So there's animal stuff everywhere. There's, you know, all this conversation and the little boy's like, daddy, a donkey, a shepherd, a sheep, you know? And, and suddenly I just hear this, shh, shh, like all, which by the way, we, we have this little thing in our thing that's like, please do not shush the children. That's actually more disruptive than the children are. Like when you shush. <laughs> and it was like during the song or when the, when the song, cause I was singing, and when the song was over, I said to the mom, I said, you know, you don't have to worry about shushing. Like, it's fine. And she goes, oh, that wasn't me. That was his older sister. Nice. <laughs> like, his, well, like, that's, six-year-old I mean, that's sister where, was shushing her, him. That's you know? exactly what I'm, that's the world I'm living in right now because um, part of me wishes my wife was on today because um, she's really the one who deals with it. That my, right. my, uh, my you know, one-and-a-half-year-old, she sees me up there leading service and she just wants to run right up and she starts screaming like daddy, 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 right in the middle of the service. And my older daughter wants to be there and she's old enough, five and a half, that she can sort of sit through and she's learned, like you said, Shannon, to, what mm -hmm. it means to be quiet during the sermon. It's awesome. And the younger one won't do it. So she's often, the older one is shushing the younger one. And <laughs> unfortunately they end up having to go out just because it's, it's Dude, too much. You gotta, I think you gotta, you gotta do a sermon. You gotta, you gotta do a lesson with the baby carrier. On I, you know, on. maybe I should actually just give the sermon holding the baby. See exactly. how I do with that. Right. I would actually, love it's, for... it's good. It's good modeling. It's actually you good know, point Ogan because it models to the congregation that, that this is a value and this yeah. is okay. And, something and I, I really, when my kids were that age, I never stopped them. I, and, and I was in a smaller congregation that really loved, right? And yeah. All they of would it. come right up there on the, up to the altar. Or yeah. Whatever. I mean, I and, preached with a kid on my hip multiple times, yeah. right? Wow. Um, communion hard was hard. for you though? I was going to say, yeah, to like. Well, and that's the, th so one of the rules I actually had as a new mom in a congregation was, um, so my, my, the rule that I had was my, I needed um, my child not to be held by anyone but her father during the worship service. Um, not because I didn't trust my because parishioners. Because congregants can get very, uh, they get very handsy with the babies. Well, they get very handsy <laughs> with the baby. And then there's, well, you held her last time and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. But I needed to know that if she did cry, that she was taken care of. Right. That like in my mind, I needed to know she's with her dad. She's fine. 
But one of the things that did happen, so two things happened. One, when she was a real little baby, my talking in worship actually soothed her and calmed her down and she would fall asleep. I mean, this was, she was really little baby. My daughter would kick in utero when I, when I was preaching. When you were talking, told right. Me, which was like wild when I yeah. heard that. I couldn't believe that. Because she knew my voice, you know. And then um, as she got older, but again, like she, and our kids now even, um, and all of our kids, not just, not just our four, but all of the kids in worship, they, they know because of my kids, my kids walk right up to the chancel. They walk behind the pulpit. You know, my son still at nine years old, sometimes he comes and sits, you know, in the, like, the big chair next to me because he just wants to sit with me. Preacher's kids, man. They get, they get, they get all the leeway. <laughs> well, and they get, they get that I worry. this isn't, none of this is untouchable, right? <sighs> like there's no, the pulpit isn't some sacred, right. you know, and that's actually, that's our tradition, right? The pulpit's just a place where you stand and give the word. It's not, you know, something yeah. God carved out of wood and placed on the earth. And, and so, yeah, you can go and play in it. And my, our youngest man, she picks up the microphone and she starts singing <laughs> into it. I mean, they love coming to church and running around and, and teaching. I mean, so on one hand, you're teaching them what to revere and what, what not to, right? Yeah. And so, and that, you know, like, no, you don't bang on the instruments. I mean, I think in a lot of ways that the instruments of the church are more revered than the pulpit itself is. <laughs> so. We have a very great love of instruments in our house. So, you know, don't, don't, you can bang on the drums, but do it in rhythm at least. You know, I think the, the one time I, the one time I asked parents to take the kids to the children's area, uh, they'd come in late and it was really weird. It was, it was sort of awkward because it was the first time they were there. Mom walked in with two kids, two mm -hmm. little kids. But the reason I asked them to go was because it was one of those Sundays I was doing, um, ask the minister where congregants submit questions right. um, for me to answer. And one of the, one of the questions was on pornography. So, Maybe not quite appropriate. So, you know. Exactly. Right. So the, so yeah. this family walks in really late, you know, and I just had to, and I was like, Holy crap, what am I supposed to do? So I just, I just had to say, you know, I'm going to warn I, you. <laughs> I, I love that you're here with your kids <laughs> and, and under, under any other circumstance, you'd be welcome to say, but I do want you to know that one of the topics I'm going to be discussing today is going to be of like an adult nature. And mm -hmm. I don't probably think you might want your kids to hear about it. So, you know, that's really interesting. That reminds me um, one time I mentioned human trafficking in my sermon and this dad came and complained to me during the week. He's like, my son is sitting in worship. You can't talk about these topics because I had to go home and explain to him what sexual exploitation is and what human trafficking Good. is because Good. he yeah. heard it in worship. And I was like, your seven-year-old son is listening to the preacher yeah. during a sermon enough to ask you questions. Exactly. How is this a bad thing? You're, you're welcome, sir. <laughs> exactly. That was my response was like, I, I'm not going to apologize. Like, I think this is a wonderful moment to talk to your son about how people his age are exploited in the world yeah. and how you're going to protect him and 
but we can, there are these organizations that we could get involved in and we can pray for them. And, 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 and you're his parent. He needs to hear this from you before he hears it from anybody else. Right. Yeah. And the sooner he hears yeah. it, the, the better. And, right. and it amazes me that we're still in, in, you know, in 2020, we're still in this age of like prolific internet access to everything there is out there. And there are still parents who refuse to have discussions with their kids about things. Right. And I'm just like, guys, like you, you, this, this is not, we're not in a time where we can shelter them from this. It is ubiquitous. And, you know, even in TV shows, what, what we see in TV and experience in movies is, is, is so much different from when my daughter was a kid, when right. I was a kid. Yeah. It's, it's unreal now what passes for, you know, rated R and PG and stuff like that. Well, so and I think... Gotta, so you, as parents, right. we need to be proactive in engaging our children and educating our children. And trust, trust me, if, if, if you are at that point as a parent where you are wondering, should I talk to them about it? They're already wondering about it. Exactly. And, and that line happens so quickly, right? You so and I quickly. both know that. that one I'll take minute, advice from you guys on this one. You'll, uh, you, you'll let me know I when mean, you start really, talking like, to my girls. One day you, you're like, oh, man, how, they're not there how yet. How old are your girls? Five and a half is the older one and one and a half. Yeah, start I, now. Well, no, I mean, it's, and, 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 and it's you about context. Right? No, actually, I mean, we do have, we, we have some serious conversations because there is stuff that's, that's been raised in sermons that she's heard that the older one, yep. um, you know, stuff about uh, racial justice, stuff about, mm-hmm. um, you well, know, stuff about a big Donald one Trump is probably the best example. Yeah. Exactly. She, we, we listen to NPR like all the time on the radio mm-hmm. and she, you know, the number of times she's, especially the past week, heard the name Donald Trump and she wants to know all about why he is a horrible human being. And I, I'm very happy to share with her all about that. Well, and you know what, we, one of the examples that we got for our kids, so in what, 2016, so my daughter was um, eight, right? And she would, she would make fun of the way he looked, right? Or the way he Mm. talked or something like that. And we, like, we got to talk about, like, there are legitimate things to criticize him for, but we don't ever right? Like we don't ever make fun of someone for how they look or we don't ever. Yeah. And they so go you, low, we go high. Right, exactly. And you can, so there's all of these examples to use and why not, why not get those in church or in synagogue, right? Why not get those great examples of how to treat one another? Isn't that why we're all doing this, right? Of like giving this example of how to treat one another. So if we're hearing about sexual exploitation in church, and having to have a conversation about that with our children at home, what's wrong with that? It's amazing. Right? I got in trouble once for, um, we were, I was telling the Hanukkah story, which people are f- probably familiar with. And um, the, the evil invading army in the Hanukkah story, oftentimes we refer to them as, as Greek. They weren't really Greek. They were, you know, a subdivision of the of Alexander the Great's empire. It was the, you know, Seleucid, Assyrian, Hellenistic, whatever you want to call them. But to make things easier, I kept saying, you know, the evil Greeks came, the evil Greeks came. Then I get this call from this mom that I was so upset with your sermon. I said, it was like a really light sermon, but you know, it was just telling the Hanukkah story. He said, my husband's Greek. 
And oh, my daughter my came God. home and said, is daddy a bad guy? Does daddy right. want to destroy the temple and run pigs through it and hate the Jews? That's and awesome. So well, that, I'm very clear now with- about the ancient Greeks versus the modern Greeks. Well, and we have to be careful with that in John during the Easter week, right? Because Jesus was killed by the <laughs> Jews and blah, blah, blah. Right? And it's so, a very different group of Jews we're talking about, right? And now, it's all, I will you know, say, Derek once preached, I'm not going to get the story right. Derek once preached at a middle school <laughs> conference and he preaches, and I preach this way too, we preach a little extraneously, right? So you have notes, you have an outline, but you don't, you don't write out the whole sermon. And he said something like, it takes at least two people to enter into a sexual relationship. <laughs> and, and all of these middle schoolers went back middle to their schoolers. leaders and he was like, what do you mean at least? At least. <laughs> <laughs> And like he got into all kinds uh, Isn't that a scene from like <laughs> He's like I, I mean like there's a scene from like one of those movies to, about I think he was trying to like play on like it takes two to tango and but yeah. it just kind of came out like listen it takes at least two people and they're like Well, well the third is God. God is right. a part God's of every union, right? right? God's in that threesome. <laughs> Me and you and the Holy Spirit baby right here. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's that's too funny. So so uh Eli uh your so you said your older list daughter is five and a half yep so not in kindergarten yet or in kindergarten she is in kindergarten she's, yeah she's right. one of the youngest in the in kindergarten I, I don't know if you've had the sex conversation or sex conversations yet but don't don't let her get out of at this point i would say first grade really wow yeah you know we've we, talked about like we've talked about like you know appropriate touching and th- actually i'll tell you something really interesting and this is a good pub theology one that um some great advice from a friend it's an article a friend of mine wrote uh uh, Rabbi uh, Lauren uh, Ben Shoshan um, called um, How to Talk to Your Jewish Kids About Santa. Mm. So we mm. felt like, especially before going to, to kindergarten this year, as yeah. she was going to be in a very mixed kindergarten, she's one of only a couple Jewish kids in her class, that we needed to talk about Santa because we made it very clear to her early on that Santa is not real. This is, I'm <laughs> sorry, sorry if I ruined anything here, Shannon Ogan, but- um, I'm, I have headphones on. We'll, so. we'll put, a, dis- <laughs> we'll put a disclaimer in the show description. Don't listen with your younger. That, 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 that Santa is not real, but then we had to have a really important conversation with her about how you can't tell all your Christian friends that. Right, but, other kids but, do believe But this it. article that my friend uh, Lauren wrote took it a step further and she said, this is an opportunity to talk to kids about good secrets and bad secrets. Interesting. And we actually, we, yes. we parlayed that. We immediately went into, we said, Santa's a fun secret. This is a fun secret to keep that mm-hmm. they don't know it and it's cute. Right. It's like a surprise party. And then we said, and then there's bad secrets. And if a secret doesn't make you feel good, if someone tells you not to say something because they did something. And, and so we've talked a lot about that with her. And I think that's, a, that's sort of a piece that, and that actually, who, who knew that Santa was going to help me talk to my daughter about, about this kind no, of thing? There's, there's a great kid's book called Where Did I Come From mm. that, that I recommend. Um, when Joy, my daughter, who's now 19, when she was, I want to say second or third grade, you know, we'd already had the good touch, bad touch conversation. Yeah. But we took it. That's as step, far as we've taken it. Yeah. Uh, we took it a step further when she hit like second, third grade. And this was like, I mean, she's 19 now. So, you know, a few years ago. But, but we felt at the time it was important because um, my wife and I, we used to work in schools. We used to work and we, you know, my wife was primarily middle school. I taught all grades. When we were teaching, and this was before my daughter was born and in her 
for years, there were middle schoolers having sex, graders having sex. Okay. So we were like, we need to educate this kid because, you know, she made it through kindergarten, first grade, and, and we had, we were about to uh, move and get her in, in another elementary school. But, but we were like, we need to be proactive. Okay. So, so we got her this book, we had discussions. We know on some level there wasn't, of course, the full understanding of what was happening. Yeah. But, but our favorite story around this is when she was like in third grade, um, she comes home and says a friend of hers, their parents were having another kid. And so her friend comes to school and says to her, you know, in a few days, which is what Joy says. And this is, a, this is my daughter, third grader. You know, let's say the friend's name was Emily. Emily says that in a few days, the stork's going to bring her baby brother. And I didn't have the heart to tell her that that's not how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so I think in, the, in, in this day and age, you know, it's, you find the appropriate way to have the discussion and realize that it's, it is more important and most important that they hear it from their parents first. Yeah. not from well, other adults or right. from even worse other kids because other kids will don't know what they're talking all about the wrong <laughs> exactly and i think this goes back to that protection question right like right. yeah one of the great i mean so it, it's not just about physical safety but this is about protection of values as well and knowledge right? is power and 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 knowledge is power you know we so are uh, with the four kids the oldest and the youngest are girls you know, my oldest had her 12-year-old birthday party this year, and it was the first year that they started, you know, downstairs in the basement with hushed tones, whispering about who they liked and who they didn't. And, you know, as that conversation started, I went downstairs and I said, girls, I'm, I'm not listening to your conversation. I'm putting away the dishes. But... Um, let let me tell you that in this house you know you're you're sitting around your as you're having this conversation please recognize that if everyone is going around in a circle saying they like somebody and everybody is naming boys and you like girls that is okay and mm -hmm. you will not be shamed in this house right and that that is part of what our kids get at church whether or not their parents are able to do that in that moment like what they're getting in church and why i think it's important that kids stay in church even if it's they're being loud occasionally right i i think it's important that all of these values get seeped into them and that's another way i protect my children in the world is that yeah. these values are going to take you a really long a long way um, and, and, and getting back to it, I don't care if 300 people were interrupted for two seconds, right? Exactly. Like, like, that, like it, if, if the kid had just, you know, had the squeal and he had just like powered through and moved on, nobody would have blinked. Now it would have been easier. I mean, that yeah. is public speaking 101. It really is. It, like, it, just keep going. It, it, right? Exactly. Just keep going. And, and Eli, no matter, uh, last, last parental thing <laughs> no no matter how much advanced work you do you will never be prepared for when the questions come out of left field i remember one day i'm just driving in the car joy might have been 11 or 12 and just out of nowhere she goes i hear about commercials for plan b what's plan a <laughs> 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 i'm like 
And it's always in the car where you can't run away. Always. It's always in the car. You just never prepared. Well, Eli, we will let you go. Tell Josephine she has been amazing. And thank you for her presence. Even Josephine, though I've her a couple Shannon times. Shannon Ogan said you were so patient and polite and such a good girl. Do you want to say goodbye to everyone? Goodbye. Goodbye, Bye. honey. Bye. <sighs> All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you soon. All right. See you, so Eli. thank you to our special guest, Eli. We'd also like to thank the originator of Pub Theology, who week after we agonize us over all of these questions do you think Great. he really agonizes i think he no i don't know who knows i think he does agonize a little brian burkoff <sighs> and our producer derek weston who agonizes pretty much about everything but puppyology um, that's healthy that's healthy that's the way it should be <laughs> connect and spread um the word on social media listen anytime on soundcloud stitcher spotify apple and google podcasts Watch us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram TV. Sign up with us at patreon.com slash ptlive for more content. To find or create a puppyology in your town, go to information. Um, go to puppyology.com slash directory. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations going.